So you know how you were mentioning that you went to the Mazda dealership and, and they thought you weren't a serious buyer? Yeah. So I was having a conversation with my dad, your dad, our dad. The dad. <laughs> the dad. And, you know, I was trying to tell him, uh, I was trying to just discuss a few things about uh, me and my whole job scenario. But one of the things was, and he used to, he told me this a long time ago. He told me that when he first went to university and he entered the class, I think in first year or something, everyone in the class stood up because yeah. they thought he was the professor. And I told him that, see, that advantage that you have, I do not have. And you could call it first impressions, perception, but there's this persona that individuals have for each role. Now, for the role for an employee the or a, manage, a managerial position in, an, in a company, it's generally that you have to look somewhat middle-aged. You have to have a semi-heavy set build, meaning a little, bit, a little bit of obesity to show that you've been working hard. Your uh, demeanor cannot be overly jovial, uh, semi-introverted, but outspoken when it comes to technical things, right? Your fashion sense can't be too stylish. It has to be a little bit reserved, but at the same time, it can't be too sharp either like too salesy. And all these things are what determine largely, to a huge extent, the success of your uh, ability to get that position. Now, people will say that's not true, and I'll say, and my response to that is, you're an idiot. I, I know this to be true. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a hard truth, but people will not accept it because it invalidates their, their hard work. Hard work. And especially quote people, unquote, hard work. if people feel that, now that doesn't mean that that person will not perform. Yeah. Or that doesn't even mean that they were actually not hardworking. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't negate their hard work. But what it does do, it puts people who don't fit that perception at a disadvantage in two ways. First of all, they will not get the position. Second of all, they will be perceived as not hardworking by the very same people who would reject this thesis that I'm putting forth. Yeah, of course. Well, that they would. Yeah. And same with our uncle, you know. <laughs> he doesn't have that persona about him that would make him exactly seem... and i've seen so many quote-unquote young people that my dad talks to who you know who talk about jobs and they all look like middle-aged 40 year olds yeah i know and it's funny because i have the same issue that you do but exactly. i just still like i still work <laughs> yeah but yeah like because i see and and i know it works to my disadvantage when i talk a certain way and i'm you know, exactly. I'm overly frank and I'm cracking jokes and stuff. And, you know, that doesn't, and you that's could not what you the typical person in my role at this company would act like. Exactly. You know, and so. you and you still have that melancholic uh, temperament that lets you adapt a little bit. Now, imagine you take that with me and take my extroverted persona, even more politically incorrect, incorrect yeah. and add all that and also disincentivized and inclined to work. And also yeah. just completely, it, it's, yeah, it doesn't work. Then I, then I was trying to tell my dad that, look, it took me a while to realize what my persona is. And I'm the talk show host persona. And I'm not trying to get into uh, corporate, a corporate gig because they won't let me in. A corporate talk show. <laughs> corporate talk show. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, yeah. And you got to you gotta work to your uh, skills. Yeah. Well, it's also your persona at some level ties to what you actually enjoy doing as well. Exactly. Like the, exactly. Reason, the reason why everyone has that perception that managers should look like this is because those people that look like that want to be that manager type person. It's a mercy and of God. And those people that wear suits and like to, yeah. you know, have their fresh cut and, 
you know, style their hair and wear yeah. nice shoes. Those people to like to do sales, like they're the yeah. sales type. No, I, I always think it's it's a mercy of God that I didn't get the things that I was not supposed to because had those things gone my way, I would be doing things that I did not want to do. Well, that's the nature of, yeah. I think that's, that's the mercy of God on everyone. Is yeah, that that's the nature gives, of the world. Yeah. You know, what you, what is best for you. Yeah, but the difference is that when you don't get something versus when you get something, the perception in the human is different. Yeah. So the mercy of God is that he'll give you what you want and also not give you what you don't want. But generally, what you don't need. What you don't need. Yeah. But generally when you but don't. But it might be something you want. Yeah. Generally, when you don't get something, you assume that it's a negative even when, because when you get something, even if it is a negative, you think it's a positive. So sometimes getting something can be a punishment and not getting something can be a reward. But the human perception is always accumulate more and more and more. Yeah. So missing something, you know, so like in terms of properties, there's a house that we were looking at earlier. We missed that. And that was a blessing in disguise because, and there's all these different, and you only see that in hindsight, obviously, because you can only see it in hindsight. Yeah. Well, you're not God. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have a temporal vision if that's the word. Yeah. And, uh, or you're just, you're not atemporal because there's no such thing as atemporal vision. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, like an interstellar where he sees that world. That yeah, would be but him. I don't think that that never exists in, yeah, re- yeah. in reality. No, I, you're you're either temporal or atemporal. I was just using a concept. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, that's not true because if you think about like the prophet peace be upon him when he went up, oh, he was given in atemporal. a sense not not just atemporal vision but atemporal qualities through the mercy of God. Like by how did he? Yeah. He was well, able that's to. That's what I'm saying is that he became atemporal in that moment. Yeah, it's a semantic thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say he became atemporal. I, I think he was given the ability by. Uh, writing on the the burak, you know, because I don't think his. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't become a soul. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd have to read some interpretation yeah. of that, but uh, yeah, it's it's very cool stuff. There's like that that is interstellar right there. Like we have the real interstellar. Yeah, well, I mean, you know? it's much better. Yeah, there's no plot holes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's also like he took it from us, right? Yeah, the whole idea of a uh, of a. Uh, Travel to space is basically that whole fiction is from a that whole science fiction is from a metaphysical narrative of going to the he- the heavens, right? Yeah, the trip, the ascent, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, it gets reskinned every season, and it becomes more politically woke. But <laughs> the origins, yeah, it's unfortunate that this political correctness and wokeness is increasing in lockstep with technological adv- uh, improvement. So as graphics and ca- uh, technology is improving, the, the narrative structure is just going down. Yeah. Because there was a time when narrative structure was really good, but, you know, you look at some of those old movies and it's a bit like the effects. Yeah, it's like you kind of hope that they... Yeah, and now we finally have everything, even with video games. Everything's so good, but you're like, nah, it's, it's just shit now. It's so, it's so sad yeah. in some ways. It's like, why... But maybe that's the whole thing that the the overload, the surplusness, the lack of restriction is what kills it. But I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't think that I don't think it's that, right? Yeah, because you still have people like Kojima. Yeah. And still got your Nolans. Yeah. I think I think the thing is that it was always like that. There's always a twenty percent. And when you're looking at the past catalog, you only see that twenty percent. Because the rest has just vanished. Yeah. No one's gonna remember Marvel movies a couple of years from now, it's all going to be vanished. 
it's going to be like, oh, that was a cringe shit that they used to li- watch back in the day. Yeah, it's like, no, you used to watch back in the day. <laughs> yeah. That's you what know, a lot like, of people don't get. Yeah. When they critique past cliche or mainstream styles like the mohawk or like the mullet, the fade bros, a fade bro critiquing a mullet is just hilarious. Yeah. The modern mullet. I'd rather have a mullet than a fade. Actually, no. I think I'd rather have a fade. <laughs> The mullet does not look that good. Well, it depends what kind of, like, if you're talking about, like, the mohawk level of fade or you're just talking about, like, a light fade when you're buzzed. See, technically, Solid Snake sort of has a mullet. So if you do a mullet that way, where you tie the back, because his front hair is shorter than his back. But it's a very... Not Solid Snake, Big Boss, sorry. Yeah, I know. But it's not the kind of mullet that you're thinking of, like, the yeah, full-on no, rock star. The, yeah, the... Yeah. Yeah. No, I think what what happens is that, especially with hairstyles, is that uh, there's an incentive for the barber to create a style that's uh, time-bound, meaning the quicker that style evaporates and the quicker the person needs to come back. So you know those fades where they engrave it or they were, where they make it very particular, the steps? So the more intricate it is, the quicker he'll need to come back. Yeah, and the harder you can, yeah. the harder it is to do on your own the more likely it is you won't it's do a, try. It's the dependency creation. It's like the doctor giving out a drug. You know, we talked about it in some other episodes. Yeah, it's the same with clothing as well, the fast fashion thing. The clothes yeah. disappear. They die after one wash. You know, <coughs> same with your yeah. hair. One day later, it goes away. And, and the reason that barber does this is because he's, he's a coward. He's scared that he won't get money and he won't get clients. So once again, a fear-driven, emasculated mindset is what drives him to create hairstyles that expire fast. Yeah, well, you're talking about the one who actually came up with that hairstyle and propagated it. Because most of the barbers are probably just, they're just, they don't actually understand the underlying reason for that hairstyle. They're just creating No, it. I think you're being too nice to them. I think when it comes to malicious intent, everyone's understanding all of a sudden just improves. But when it comes to... Is it? No, I think... I. Because I think you could be like legitimately a guy who likes fades. Well, yeah, and okay. giving. You I know, guess it's not black and white. Some barbers think of it that way, yeah, and some don't. Yeah, and but I'd say that quite a few of them, if you poke around and really ask them, they would admit it. Because come on, you can tell the money doesn't lie, right? Yeah, for sure. So whether they make that connection philosophically or not, they would definitely make it on the balance sheet. They're like, oh, if I did this haircut, I made fifty dollars. Uh, yeah, a day and they or whatever. understand that the cuts that are more intricate will make more money. Yeah, yeah like exactly. if if everyone just came in to get their hair buzzed. Yeah, and they can hide it in the guise of, oh, look, I'm putting a lot of effort, and this is a a, a new style is going to make you look fresh. You know, you're going to attract uh, more women or whatever. Just nonsense, you know, to make it seem like some like Wait, you're doing you're them a saying, favor. Like haircuts don't attract women. Haircuts. No, the trick with uh, with your hair is you should be as disheveled as possible. Disheveled, disheveled. or just wear a beanie. No, I don't know. Like for me, I I don't worry about my hair that much, <laughs> especially when it's in this middle stage. Yeah, no, I, I, my hair is mostly a mess at home. The f- no, the first or second time when I grew it, when it was like a hobby. I, I would apply the the hair cream and all that. No, I stopped doing the cream now. Too. Yeah. No, I just don't do it purely for a comfort thing. That's if, what I'm saying. For the yeah. summer, it just in the winter, it's good. It acts like a. Yeah, I was doing it like up until a couple months ago. It's too hot. But now it's like it just melts into my face. Like exactly. the second after it you melts put it on, into your face is the perfect. It's like you're a clay sc- sculpture exactly. that's like melting. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. 
It's literally it like you have makeup on or something. I don't know. It's just yeah. And it makes your head heavy. It makes your head exactly. Those are all the metaphors that I would have yeah. that I felt. And I and I used to wear it in Pakistan in the heat there. So you were dedicated. Yeah. No, I just wore it a few times and I was like, no, this ain't gonna work. It just yeah. melts here. Yeah. The, he- the actually the heaviness of a cap is less than the heaviness of the cream. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I would just wet my hair slightly, damp it, put a cap on. Yeah. Yeah. And the, that cotton beanie, the the chemotherapy beanie that I have yeah. is pretty good. Anyways, before this uh, cap talk, <laughs> we're talking about something else. Fades. Before the fades. The technology, the technological advancements increasing, but the wokeness also increasing at the same time. Yeah, and then before that was the Quality. narratives of uh, the prophet and Islam that yeah life mirrors. It's actually. It's true even from the Christian perspective, like a lot of modern day, uh, I just had a funny thought in my mind from Dragon Ball Z. What was it? It's like, you know, after Mr. Satan saves the world, it's like everyone's cheering, Satan, Satan. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of like the whole... That's Akira Toriyama, Toriyama <laughs> jesting at the state of the world, yeah. worshipping the devil. And the devil is this clown that he's obviously incorrect, but they just can't see it. It's mass deception on a comical scale. It's such a great metaphor. And like people, that's deliberate, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the actual devil goes to heaven. Because the like, Americans tried to change it. Like I think in one version, they called him Hercule instead of Satan. But uh, in the Japanese, it's like Mr. Satan. Like it's always, it's always Satan. Cause that's what the Satan is. He's trying to take credit. The Satan is this buffoon. Yeah. The Satan isn't this cunning guy. The Satan, that, that's the funny thing is like this, this Vegeta is not the Satan. (laughs) Satan is the Satan. Yeah. No, that. (sighs) He's envious, petty, jealous. He's not proficient. He's a coward. He's just, he probably looks like him too. You know, like just. Yeah, well, vain, self-obsessed, you know, narcissistic, all the all the stuff, weak, pathetic, yeah, the devil. Yeah, but w- how did I get? What What was I originally gonna say? I have no idea. I don't know, but <laughs> it just we just watched that episode, and so it was like right in my mind, mm. and then just couldn't. Yeah, so we were talking about perceptions in the beginning, right? Personas and perceptions. Yeah, that was the <laughs> the thing. So, and it's funny because a, a character like Mr. Satan has that perception that those masses fall for. Exactly. And that's what he uses. Because a lot of the characters in DBZ, they're much slimmer looking, you know, like outside of the whole key power thing. Yeah. But they're like, oh, how did this pipsqueak, you know, like Android 18 versus or, Mr. Or Satan. Or Krillin versus. Yeah, when he like, when they do the punching yeah, test thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I was trying to tell my dad, uh, talk to my dad about too. It's not that you don't have necessarily the proficiency for something or have it. It's just that that's how the market operates. And because I am not overweight and I'm enthusiastic, full of energy, somewhat sarcastic, outspoken, you know, unconventional, because I have those character traits going for me, I'm not likely to get a nine to five corporate job in like especially well, companies no, like I would google say, or facebook i would say it's like it's because it's not because of those character traits it's that like it's not because of those character traits that you wouldn't be able to get it it's that 
you wouldn't want it. Well, I wouldn't want it. That's one thing. But I'm saying even if I wanted it, I wouldn't be able to. Because my character traits wouldn't change the moment I want that. That's no, the but difference. that's the thing is I think you wouldn't be able to want it. You could you could do it out of a need, out of a necessity. Yeah, and that means like, that I want it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that means that you want the consequence of it, but you don't want it. Yeah, yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. No, because those people actually want that. They don't actually care about the money as much. Yeah, if, they want the you know title. What I mean? yeah, if you're yeah. making, you know, fifty million dollars a year or yeah. whatever, like as some CEO, I, I like, get that. It's not about yeah. the money at yeah. that point. I get that, but my point is that it's still the persona serves as a gate. Yeah, and in the end, uh, yeah. No, but I, I was yeah because I was just saying like the persona is the yeah, like, and it's 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 like it's, the person idea thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like, it's a good only thing. the person who wants it has that persona. Yeah, and the person who wants it has that persona. So it's like, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I guess that works. It works out. It definitely works out. Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between just a like. I mean, first of all, you can't even just be a manager without like. Well, who's a manager that doesn't do have a like? That's actually a thing, though. Like, it's there's people that are managers that just like their job 100%. is just managing. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, they don't really do much, man. Yeah. No, and you know, we were going to talk about the the DoorDash thing. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is perfectly connected to that. So, and then... Yo, man, Uber is... Uber and Instacart and DoorDash, these companies are the worst. They're the scum of the earth because they just take advantage of people who want to just... Wait, are you joking? money and... <laughs> yeah, You're man. joking, right? Okay. <laughs> I wasn't going in this direction, though. <laughs> no, I was talking about the the... The so wait with the there's some people who like working for these kind of companies right like as a delivery driver yeah. yeah and I've noticed that these people they like to fill their time and exchange it for money and generally outside of that they're consuming things so they'll be on their phone they'll be consuming media so they don't have a productive mindset or even while they're doing that thing exactly they're listening to like yeah. audiobooks or something so just we, like consumptive books so we call like. them fill time consumers fill time consumers now on the opposite end there's free time producers so for me my goal is to maximize my free time and in that produce as much as i can and then i was thinking that both of these necessitate the existence of the other because if i if i wasn't if I didn't want to, because I don't want to go and pick up my groceries, Instacart exists. But if people like me don't exist, then Instacart will not have a reason to exist. And then those people who want to deliver things cannot have an income. Yeah. Well, you're looking at it also from the perspective of um, someone who isn't filling their time so much that they Because there's also... The opposite side of someone who fills their time so much with other work that they that they need to now get groceries delivered. You know? Yeah. What I mean? Well, that's that's a semantic difference. I mean, in general, in yeah. a general sense, they'll be filling it with some other thing. It doesn't have to be specifically Instacart and delivery, but yeah. some a large chunk of their life will be fill time, and a large chunk of their life will be free time. Now, it could be that this fill time person doesn't have Instacart, and that one does, but. That's not really... No, but the, what, I, what I'm saying is that even if you have a, a society exclusively of fill-time people, a, something like this can still exist. 
Yeah, it has to. Yeah. No, I'm saying that it's impossible to have a society full of exclusively full-time people. They cannot exist. No, no, but I'm saying no, I'm I'm arguing something different. I'm oh, okay, saying okay. that even if even if there's only full-time people using Instacart or a tool like that, yeah. and it's only full-time people working it for these delivery systems, they would still exist because it doesn't require you to be who, who would still exist. The the system of deliveries to oh, okay. paying for deliveries. Because it's not exclusively, because it's more like when you choose, the the people that do the fill time thing, like they fill their time with things that they want to essentially, right? And so they won't necessarily fill their time, like they'll have their time already filled. And so then the things that they don't want to add to their fill time, they'll be doing. Yeah, I think you're defining it differently. I define fill time as those people that exist. Yeah. So it's not. Or maybe maybe yeah. I'm thinking I'm a full time person, and so I'm trying to rationalize my position for maybe why I would want. You feel personally attacked. I don't think yeah. you're a full time person. Yeah, but then, okay, but I was thinking that I am at some level, and so it's because it's like, I guess just because you work doesn't mean you're a full time person. Yeah, it wasn't about working. <laughs> working person that work. I mean, yeah. I work too technically. Yeah. No, but in I, a different yeah. way. Yeah. Meaning, it's not about. Is your goal to fill your time or is your goal to free your time? What, What's your goal? To free my time. Exactly. Then, what yeah. ends up happening is a function of your... Uh, your, uh, your situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can't necessarily... Like I was, I was also a free time person when I went to university and school. <laughs> yeah. Even though I was giving up eight hours a day at school and university. Yeah, okay. Although I was maximizing my attempts at gaining the time back. Yeah, and that's kind of what I do as well um yeah yeah so it's preference based not uh, realization based yeah i guess the fill time people are like the kind of people that like to you know find out the coupons and then go to the specific store and then get the deal it's the anxiety of silence that's what those people have we have the anxiety of noise Noise anxiety and silence anxiety. Wait, there's a, that's like a, that should be a song. Yeah, it should be. The science of noise. <laughs> the anxiety. Anyways. And truth is signal and falsehood is noise. So in my opinion, having the anxiety of noise is... Uh, or the, having the anxiety of silence means you have an issue with... Is a pathological yeah. state, spiritually, yeah, versus the anxiety sure. of noise. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not tying this to, I'm not this anti-work person, but I'm saying that... Even the person who works should have an anxiety of noise. Of course. He should not feel uh, comforted by the fact that he's working all day. He should feel distressed by that. And it should be a part of this life as opposed to uh, the, the glory part. of yeah, this life. Exactly, yeah. It should be the burden of this life. It should remind him that in the afterlife, this burden will be lifted. He should not feel uh, elated and accomplished by this burden because then it's an inversion of uh, vice and virtue and pleasure and pain. And then it leads to the rejection of the afterlife. Because if you've inverted pain and pleasure, you've, in essence, inverted metaphorically heaven and hell. And if you do that, then... You will go towards hell. Yeah, right? your because entire... that's where you want to go then. Your because, entire yeah. system becomes inverted. Inversions. He talks about that too, ironically enough. Signal and noise and anxiety and silence. And there's so many metaphors that he takes that are just the same. Well, I think a lot of the... They're universal. Yeah, a lot of the Eastern people, like the monk, the Buddhist monk thing, like that kind of... That's their whole... Well, he's thing. not really Eastern, he's German. I know, I know, but... I, 
German is kind of Eastern, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, the Japanese and the German. <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> point to talk about. Like, the... It's... I've noticed... You probably noticed the exact same thing, but I've noticed that there's this uh, dichotomy within the East and within the West. So, within the West, you have... I guess it's the liberals versus conservatives, but it's a bit more than that. I don't... Because yeah. in the East, you have this two, two-pronged two culture. You have the, the Korean-Japanese culture, and then you have the Chinese, uh, and what I guess China is the bigger part of that, and, and pa- Pakistani culture, which is this messy, chaotic culture, whereas whereas German, uh, sorry, Japanese and Korean is much more organized. And it, it permeates all aspects of their culture. Like You can see it from dress all the way down to their their uh, urban planning, everything, just... You just instantly look at that. You can tell a Japanese person from a Chinese person just from his walk, his gait, from the the monosyllabic utterances in Japanese, just the perfect precision and just. What about the weeaboo? Yeah, well, the weeaboo is not a Japanese person. That's an American who's. In that Japan. would be yeah. that would be within the West the dichotomy. The weeaboo would be someone who ironically falls into the the Western, chaotic yeah. Western, but he values the ordered East. Here we go. The ordered East and West. No, he doesn't value the ordered East though, right? That's he, the whole thing is there. He values Japanese culture. No, but they're against Japanese culture because they don't like the whole order and system thing, right? Like, Could be, yeah. Typically, they're against the in societal, but depends on... It's like, hard to say, yeah. Yeah. I guess there's two different people, right? There's the people that actually create... There's there's a perception and I'll and I'll explain yeah. this. This the weeaboo person in his mind, he doesn't differentiate between the author of the content he's consuming and the characters. The characters, because he he doesn't realize that in order to create what he's consuming, the author must embody a persona that negates the very content that he's putting forth. So all these manga writers they work incredibly tight jobs, constantly churning out with discipline. If you've seen the the manga yeah. lifestyle, it's not exactly the kind of lifestyle that the weeaboo would agree with. It's not like he's Luffy sailing the pirate seas or just Goku chilling around. It's very it's and even a, yeah. even if you look into Akira Toriyama, the guy just turns out and he and editors and everything. It's the whole thing. It's the whole Japanese culture. Yeah, but it creates something that is suitable for the market. It's like what China that's, does with that's TikTok. That's what I was saying. With, uh, that's what I was kind of hinting at. It's like the music thing as well, like the metal. Uh, music artist is different from the guy jumping around in the mosh pit exactly and they don't get that yeah and that's why i've always related to the musician the author's point of view as opposed to the that's why when people ask me oh what's your uh like favorite band or whatever and then then they ask you about the person i was like i don't really care about the band the way you do it's not like this thing yeah i'm not yeah emotionally attached to i'm not a fan in that way yeah i'm a i'm a competitor technically Okay. When we look at when we look at them, we're competing. We're like, yeah, yeah I want to be better than. These I mean, guys. that's the whole reason why, like, and we don't mean yeah. like compet. We're rivals. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Healthy competitor. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that's what separates. I mean, you, that's don't, what... you don't view them as like a tier above you of humanity. You know, it's like, oh, these are the exactly. these are the. Artist They're type, the artists creative types yeah. that are bestowing upon us the music no, that we can not at all. you know yeah. and that's how typically people view it right yeah and same with uh, 
a Same lot with of like yeah. speakers and you know Jordan Peterson or Hamza Yusuf or something. And, and that like, generally comes from, I'd say, a lack of spirituality in that person because he's ascribing divine attributes to humans. Yeah, I mean, maybe not directly, but at yeah. some level. Yeah, you know. it's a, it's not an on-off, but yeah, there's a, a layer of that because you see that person and they do that, then you should think right away, oh, I can do that too. Yeah, because they're human. And it's funny, those same people who worship these people. There, a lot of them will tend to be atheistic, and when when you talk about God, they're like, "Oh, then they'll challenge God more than they challenge these people." Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's because they filled their their deity. It's it's only they filled their deity quota with other gods, right? It's because they got they've, Elon yeah. Musk already yeah. as their god, so then you can't have another god. In fact, it makes perfect sense. The kind of person who would submit to man would reject God. Yeah, but it just. It still doesn't add up because you're submitting to man who is weaker than God. Then you should doubly submit to God. But then why would you submit to God in the in man in the first place? So it's so irrational and absurd that trying to understand it logically is not really possible. What it is is a is an entitled rejection. It's like a Mister Satan type mentality. You know, you know, they know what's going on. Yeah, it's like this is a dream. It's like oh, you know, <laughs> he always says that. Yeah, but they know they know what they're doing. They know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, otherwise the whole severity of the punishment of kufr would not make sense. Yeah, no, it, I always, we always try to cut them slack. Yeah, because we can't see them, like their minds, right? But no, they they slack too much. Yeah, no, because you have to try and think like if you weren't born Muslim, would you, does that mean you would never think about God? You know what I mean? Impossible. It's like at some level, the reason why, because uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Muslims have this where they think that. Uh, they think that people who are not born Muslim and then converted to Islam are somehow superior to people that are born Muslim. But I would say, like, the reason... It's the same Yeah, thing I wouldn't because, give any side superiority. Yeah, there's yeah. no superiority because, first of all, like, at some level, Allah decides who who get who is worthy of being guided, right? Exactly. But then that worthiness is determined by you. And so that worthiness is in you when you were either born or whether you convert later in life because God is tem- atemporal. So he, he, from his perspective, it's not that uh, you converted later in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and the frequency of metaphysical thought that occurs within your heart and mind is not connected directly to when you converted to Islam. Yeah. In fact, I would say that the frequency of metaphysical thought is what allows you to convert to Islam. So it's not that you necessarily have that or don't have that. It's just, it's a separate thing altogether. It will lead to Islam. And at, if your frequency drops, then it will lead you out of Islam. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, yeah. It's not a, once you're done, you're set. Like, yeah. yeah. No, and, and because of this, I've been thinking about, like, if you think about it, we're constantly thinking about God in that sense. Like yeah, that's why. Like, because I remember. Been, no, I remember when we started the podcast, and we were like, "We're not gonna try and we're gonna try and not make this an Islamic podcast." It's impossible. And it's like you can't talk about any topic without talking about. Yeah. No, and I've been paying attention. You know how, like, uh, in a lot of uh, older Islamic lectures, like maybe not new, the newer ones, they'd always be like, "Oh, remember God, don't forget Him." And I was thinking, like, and I don't want to like toot my own horn or something, but. And I'm not like an extremely religious guy in terms of of like conventional vicar. But I was thinking constantly throughout the day, I don't think an hour goes by where I'm not conscious of the fact that God exists and that there's an after... Like there's there's an afterlife flavor or 
uh, tint that's constantly on my vision and hearing. Like you, you, you're always seeing like any book you read, you're constantly thinking of that. So it's never like, like oh, seven hours go by and you forgot that God exists, and then you wake up. Like you know, they show it that way. And I'm like, that doesn't really, yeah, right. And it's like what, what we were talking about in that previous episode, like the ink when you're writing and it goes into the paper and then you're in vision. So now you're thinking about God. That's, in fact, I'd say a lot of the distractions in life that distract you from the dunya, from the world, that prevent you from uh, succeeding materially and acquiring wealth and is because of the remembrance of God. Because the remembrance of God technically distracts you from the world. As much as, God, as much as the world can distract you from God, they're both mutually distracting yeah, entities. And you have to be distracted by one at, in order to do the other. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? Like if you're always, if you're... It kind of makes sense with the Sufi hermits who just go into the desert because they're like, how the hell do you function in this world if you're trying to do something but you're constantly distracted by God... Yeah. And you end up Yeah, so there are Yeah, it's it's interesting, but uh, And then you think are there people who don't think about God all the time? Like is that even a condition that's possible? Cuz yeah, almost anything sure. you do that's worldly It's no, not that it can be tied to God. It inevitably is and it's staring you right in the face. Like there's nothing you can do on, on earth at any moment at any given time which does not directly just obviously, very presently indicate some metaphysical thing. We're not even talking about from purely Islamic perspective. Yeah, Any perspective. Just a, a non-metaphysics non, is constantly non, staring you in the face yeah, other at every thing, turn. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the amount of covering, the amount of kufr required to hide that is is insane. You need a lot of paint. You need you need a lot of paint. You know what's that dark black paint? Vanta black to cover that. To hide the amount of light, you need a ton of darkness, is what I'm trying to say. You need you need a black hole, in essence. Like a cosmological black hole in your heart, which literally sucks the light into its... You know, That's it's, a cool metaphor. Yeah, because that's the yeah. level of <laughs> light-sucking energy you need, because light is just infinite, almost. Like, if you think about it, the light of God is everywhere, right? Like, literally and metaphorically, yeah. in terms of the stars, and the amount of darkness needed to overcome that light is insane. <laughs> <laughs>